It's great to be here again, and um, isn't it good this way around? I, you know, it's interesting. Every time I come, I think I face that way and that way and backwards and then over there and, and here, so it's lovely to be here today. And uh, for some weeks now, right across the campuses, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. It's been the Engage series, and it's been highlighting the need we have for the work of the Holy Spirit again in our lives. Yeah. I just want to bring a, a warning this morning that my message today is probably going to be completely out of balance. Is that okay? <laughs> because I want to hear once, so it can be completely out of balance, and uh, because it's a standalone message. And who knows that when you can't cover every balance of nuance in the Word of God in one message, right? Yeah, so it's going to be out of balance, okay? I'm just warning you in advance. And the Holy Spirit, I've noticed, can't be neatly put into one sermon package. Yeah. So there's been a number of different people preaching about this topic. I want to carry on, I hope, from where we've left off uh, the last few weeks. I want to read some verses, first of all. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and you find in chapter John 14, 15, and 16, and around that area, he's just with them and, and pouring out his heart to them. And in these verses, uh, I'm going to just kick, pick a couple of them. John 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus saying this, I will ask the Father... He will give you another advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Later on in chapter 15, verse 26. But I will send you the advocate, the comforter, encourager, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. I guess you noticed, I find it interesting, you notice here that Jesus, when he's talking, he's talking about himself, he's talking about the Father, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the three of them here, he's talking, working together. And our lead pastor, a number of weeks ago, I think he may have said it online, I don't know, there's been some which are online and some that weren't, and lockdown and out of lockdown and you know all that stuff, I can't remember when it was, but he said one day, and I agree with this, it's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's right, isn't it? And notice that Jesus is using the words Him, not it, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's, there's one God, three distinct persons. The Father is God, the Son, Jesus, is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. They're three in one, distinguishable yet completely indivisible. They're completely unified in nature and in power and in purpose. We call that the doctrine of the Trinity. Let me tell you that with my puny, finite little mind, I find it really hard to grasp the Trinity. Anyone else with me this morning? I think I'm among friends this morning, right? And I think we're not the only ones because right throughout history, there have been people that have grappled with this doctrine of the Trinity. In fact, there's a saying that has been around for a long time and no one quite knows who said it first. If you deny the Trinity, you shall lose your soul. But if you try to explain the Trinity, you shall lose your mind. <laughs> Well, I don't intend to lose either of those things this morning, but I'm hopefully none of you will either as I delve into this for a little bit this morning. I've got three people coming to help me actually now, and these poor guys, they've been thrown into the midst of all this. 
And uh, these are substitutes, you know, substitutes for God. And I know they know him, so that's, that's, that's okay, isn't it? But, you know, so, so substitutes, that this is not God, this is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I just want you to know that. This is not, but, but we have here, so we have someone representing God the Father, someone representing God the Son, Jesus. It's good that you know who you are, that's great. And, and, and God the Holy Spirit. Pretty awesome. One day in history, and the Bible says that just at the right time, the Father sent the Son. And the Son came to earth and lived amongst us. Now, while this is happening, while our lives are, uh, uh, while we're living our lives, sorry, I told you I get a few things wrong this morning. It's something to do with the atmosphere in Lincoln. I live out here, you see. So, so what was I going to say? Oh, yes, yes. So while we're, while we're not really even aware of it, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and he's working on us to lead us and show us that we need our sins forgiven and the thing that he wants to do, that he comes sometime and he introduces us to Jesus. And then I get to be introduced to Jesus. That's really awesome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. Now I'm forgiven... The Bible says I'm born again. Jesus then becomes real to me. He's my Lord and he's my Savior, right? right? And I become his follower. But that isn't the end of the process. Because having our sins forgiven is an amazingly wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. But it isn't the real point of Christianity. Right. There is so much more to being a Christian than just having my sins forgiven, right? So when mankind fell in sin, there was this huge gap in relationship with God, and Jesus came to fill that gap and to then cause us to come back to intimate relationship with God the Father. So what happens then is that Jesus takes us and wants us to bring us back to intimacy with the Father, so he he takes us and introduces us to God the Father, which is really wonderful. Because that brings such joy and healing and fulfillment to our lives, doesn't it? Because we're no longer servants, but now we're sons and daughters of God. We're children of God. We have all his love and his his mercy poured out upon us and all the blessings that come with being part of the family. We call him Abba. We call him Daddy. We call him Father. We're getting the picture, aren't we? I hope you're getting the picture. The Father sent the Son, Jesus, Then the Holy Spirit comes, introduces us to Jesus, and then Jesus introduces us to the Father, so far so good. But this is the sad thing. So many Christians go through life having a relationship with Jesus, and that's wonderful, but then often we have problems sometimes coming to know the Father because of things that have happened in our lives, but hopefully we then go and get to know God as Father, But then beyond that, for many, the Holy Spirit never is in the picture. They don't realize or don't relate to him at all. It's even sadder to think that some people think the Holy Spirit's job was finished when the Bible was written. Others think his only job is to introduce us to Jesus. Then he says, bye-bye, I'll see you sometime in heaven, you know, and off off he goes. Still others think he's just a force way out there somewhere. What a tragedy. Because the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, ever-present Holy Spirit, who's part of the Godhead, wants to feature in our lives. He wants to change us, to teach us, to lead us, to empower us, to use us, to make us more like Jesus to the world around us. He wants to have fellowship with us. 
Sorry, this is the text derived. <laughs> oh, okay, how do you know that, Paul? Who was that? I'm glad you asked. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, these words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, there's that word, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. You can't have fellowship with an it. You can't have fellowship with some force that you can't get to know. The person of the Holy Spirit, who is holy, totally God, wants to have relationship with us. I think I've still got some friends, haven't I? I can't really see you, so I think you're smiling. I'm not sure. When it comes to praying, I think most of us are like me, aren't we? We say, we come to God and we say, Father, I ask you for this in the name of Jesus, right? We're sort of prayers of petition. We're asking for something. But not all prayer is petition or intercession. Prayer is often sitting and listening to God. Sometimes it's just pouring out our hearts to him. It's talking with him or worshiping him. And during our prayer and our worship, it's perfectly acceptable to single out the different persons of the Godhead. What do you mean, Paul? That didn't come by text, it was just <laughs> randomly in my head there. You can say, Father, I worship you. I exalt you. You are all powerful. You are the, you're the one who created the heavens and the earth. You made me. You gave me life. And, 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 and thank you. You're my provider. You're my strength. And, and, and thank you. I'm your son or daughter if it's you. You're my father. And thank you then for sending Jesus. And then I can worship Jesus and I can say, thank you, Jesus. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the Prince of peace. Thank you, you sacrificed your life for me. Thank you, you paid the price for my sin. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. And thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. And then I can turn my attention to the Holy Spirit and I can say, thank you, you came and I can walk with you because you're my comforter, you're my counselor, you're my helper, you're my guide. You came to help make Jesus real to me. Thank you, you take the Bible and and help me understand it and you lead me into truth and and thank you, help me to pray and thank you working on me day by day to make me more like Jesus and thank you for your gifts of healing that come, that heal people and touch people and and all that sort of thing. Thank you for filling me over and over again. So I can have intimate relationship with God the Father, I can have intimate relationship with God the Son, Jesus, and I can have intimate relationship with God the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a question this morning. Where is the Father right now? Well, the Bible tells us that he is in heaven, seated on his throne. Where's Jesus? The Bible tells us after his resurrection, he appeared numbers of times to his disciples, and in their final time together, Jesus gives them the the great commission, as we call it these days, to go into the world and to preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation. And then his very last words that he spoke to them are in Acts chapter 1. And I'll just read a couple of these verses. And John, this is Jesus telling them, John baptized with water, 
But in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then he ascended to heaven. So where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. So where's the Holy Spirit? He's here. So he's the one Jesus sent to be with me and in me, to fill me, to empower me, to transform me to be like Jesus. He brings me to Jesus so I can have a relationship with Jesus. Then I can have a relationship with the Father. I need him constantly to help me to pray, to understand God's word and his will, to worship, to be an effective witness and his life. So his work in my life is never, ever over. And he wants me to become more aware of him, to become sensitive to him, so that I might follow his promptings. So I say, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. You lead, I'll follow. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. What you want me to say, I'll say it. You guide me, I will try to obey you. You teach me, I, I will learn from you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the one who guides and leads me day by day. Right. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thanks, guys. You're amazing. You're amazing. They were good substitutes, actually, weren't they? Didn't put a foot wrong. I don't think the disciples had any idea what was going to happen when Jesus said there's going to come that day when the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you in power. He was with you. He's going to be in you. And they waited in faith and obedience. So when that first day came, they had any idea what was going to happen when the Holy Spirit came upon them on that day of Pentecost. I'm pretty sure not one of them guessed that there'd be a violent, mighty, powerful wind that roared through that room when outside it was perfectly calm and still. I don't think in their wildest imaginations I'd have expected that what would have seemed to be like flames of fire would rest upon each one of them in that room. How about that? And then, then for them all to speak in these different languages that they'd never learned before, I mean, did they ever think that might happen? Then to top it all off, then they were, they were blamed of being drunks by the crowd that suddenly came to see what was going on. It was only nine o'clock in the morning and the pub wasn't even open, so how could they have been drunk at that moment? None of them would have expected any of that. But even with all these strange occurrences that happened, they realized this was the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus had brought. And when he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and so Peter got up in front of the crowd and he preached his first sermon and 3,000 people came to Jesus on that day. Good preaching, Peter. Wow. You can check all this up yourself by reading Acts chapter 2 just to make sure that the guy up front isn't making everything up. I mean, he makes some things up, but... <laughs> this wasn't the only time something like this happened to them either. Right. Two chapters later, in Acts chapter 4, having a prayer meeting, suddenly as they were praying, the whole room shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 18, 
he says, be filled with the Spirit. In fact, he says before that, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, because getting drunk with wine is a counterfeit of being filled with the Spirit. Got to unpack that a lot more, but we won't, because it will sidetrack me. <laughs> Stop asking that question. <laughs> so this word filled is very interesting. It's the present continuous, or continuous present tense, continuous, or all those way rounds which is best translated, be on being filled, or keep on being filled. It's not a one-off event, it's a thing that needs to happen, be on being filled with the Spirit. A filling of the Holy Spirit needs to happen over and over in our lives. I've certainly found this to be true about in my life, and I know that many of you will, will know the same, and I could probably talk all day about anything, but I mean, I could talk all day <laughs> about the times the Holy Spirit has worked in my life. But I want to just highlight one particular period which happened to me personally in, in our church a number of years ago. I'd gone away for a couple of days' spiritual retreat, and on the second day, I began to pray, Holy Spirit, I really want you. I was in this room, and and as I said it, I, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard, I, there were words so strongly coming to me that it was almost like I heard them aloud, and I felt very strongly the Holy Spirit said, I really want you. So I was going, Holy Spirit, I, I really want you, but you really want me? Holy Spirit, I, I really want you. You really want me? And as this was happening, suddenly there was a, such a strong sense of the, of the presence of God in that room, and it was like a weight, and I started staggering around the room and, and, and fell over a couple of times, and then the third time I, or so I fell over, I thought, I might as well stay down here. And, and, and as that happened, there was just this amazing sense. I began to cry just over and over as I felt God, Holy Spirit, doing some deep stuff in my own heart and my life that I'd never really known before, and it was a, a real moment of, that I felt so close to God. And what I didn't tell you earlier was that there was a ministry friend away with me, and he'd gone out walking in, in the morning, and, and so he, when this was all happening, and so he came back, and, and he opened the door over here, walked in, and went, whoa, what's happened in here, you know? And I said, mate, the Holy Spirit really wants you at which he fell to the ground himself and had his own experience with God. Now, after some time, some other words came to me very strongly, and I just said them out loud as I was still sort of in a mess of tears. There's going to be trouble. And the minute they came out of my mouth, I started laughing. <laughs> Not just a little bit, but raucously. So here I've gone from crying copiously to laughing raucously. <laughs> now, at the point, this point, the story gets either better or worse, depending on your point of view, all right? So <laughs> I told you there was a warning at the beginning. And <clears throat> when I got back home, I couldn't really talk about it at first, but all that had happened in those couple of days, and until that night, lying in bed, I finally started to try and tell her what, was, what had been happening. And I, when I got to that whole thing about the Holy Spirit said he wanted me, I started crying again, just as I had in that morning. And I was a mess all over again. He really wants me. And, and, and I cried and cried and cried. And, and then when I finally could talk again, I said, 
there's going to be trouble. And just as before, I started laughing. In fact, so badly that eventually... Sorry, I won't tell you that yet because I want to say this. And, and, and I, as I laughed and laughed and laughed, Jill began to think, he's really lost his marbles this time. <laughs> she was really worried. She thought, what is going on? Until she finally realized, this really is God. But to make matters worse... I laughed so much I actually fell out of bed. <laughs> At which moment, Tim, who was, where are you, Tim? Somewhere around, there he is, Tim, our youngest son, who was 11 at the time, called out from his room, don't you guys realise some of us are trying to get some sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Very much a Tim saying, eh? <laughs> Next Sunday, I shared my experience with the congregation. I thought, okay, if that's what you want me to do, Lord. And towards the end of my story, I was standing up in a pulpit a bit like this. I think it was big, black, and ugly, but it was a bit <laughs> like this. And, and, and I, I, was, I had to grip the pulpit, and as my legs began to give way, and as I was trying to talk and tell him what God had done, I couldn't stand up, and I was sinking down to the floor. And here's what happened. Someone in the congregation said, thank goodness God has finally got hold of him. <laughs> And I, to this day, have no idea who it was. <laughs> it wasn't Jill, I don't think. It might have been. But... Now, so for, for the next year, the Holy Spirit, for a whole year, really, the Holy Spirit did some many things in the church. And we had some extra meetings put on during the week. And we had Sunday nights. And there were times of refreshing and renewal in people's lives. And, and uh, some of you probably were there, I think, back then. I was going to say, if you didn't leave, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> Get out of there. That's, not, that's a bad thought in the back. We had testimonies of relationships uh, being changed and being restored and answers to prayer and people being set free from addictions and habits and people falling in love with Jesus again and worship was more real and people coming to faith in Jesus and all these sorts of things. And it was happening not just in our congregation, but it was happening in many, many places around those days and right around the world. You might say, Paul, you know, that's great about people's lives being changed. I love those stories, but that stuff, I'm not happy about that earlier stuff you said that you went through. And, you know, the crying and the laughing and, 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 and the falling down and then the, you know, the shaking and the quaking and the twitching and the swinging like Tarzan from the chandeliers and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that didn't happen. It was just to make it more interesting. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Peter, James and John and the rest of the crew really weren't too happy about being called drunkards on the day of Pentecost, do you think? They didn't say, God, just, just gently do some deep stuff, but don't there be anything funny happening with us? You know, just, just, just do it nicely, will you, Lord, please? Leave the rest away. Now, why am I sharing this this morning? Well, when the Holy Spirit moves in us, mostly it is internal, isn't it? And it's a deep work and something that you probably can't even see on the outside that it's really happening. But sometimes there are tangible manifestations of his presence and his power. And sometimes there are things that happen that are our reactions to his presence or to his power, either physically or emotionally, and they, they can really seem really weird, and some of them are very weird. But in a sense, they're a bit like they're like a mere human being trying to handle the power of Almighty God. 
that electricity on that very bright light which shines in my eyes over there is doing a great job. But if I go and put my finger in the wrong place, I am going to react really strongly to that electricity, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with the electricity. Yeah. It's my reaction to it. Yeah. It's my body not being able to hold it or handle it. That's what happens sometimes to us. We can't handle the power of Almighty God and our mere human bodies. Oh, that's all right, Paul. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, but good. good. I can't see now because I looked in the lights. But that's... <laughs> I see about 10 of them now. That's cool. They're not an end in themselves. And it's really wrong for us just to say, oh, I want one of those funny things happen to me. That's all I want it for. No, that's not what it's all about. They're not the main purpose for being filled with the Holy Spirit, but they are real experiences, and they've happened right throughout church history. But see, whether those things happen or not, the permanent work is the change that comes in our lives when the Holy Spirit works in us. Because he changes our behavior and he changes our attitudes and the fruit of the Spirit is worked out in us and the gifts of the Spirit are given for others to be blessed. And then God is glorified. Now one thing the Holy Spirit really highlighted for me during this season was the whole issue of control. And this was what came to me very strongly in those days. Who is in control? Control. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have self-control because we have to have self-control, right? In our everyday lives, we have to have self-control and it's a fruit of the Spirit. And all that, that sort of strange stuff is outside of my boxes, right? It's outside my intellectual box, even my, my, my theological box, my experience box, certainly my comfort zone box and my religious box and all the other boxes you can find. But let me tell you something this morning. God doesn't want to fit inside any one of my boxes that I want to put him in. So the Holy Spirit sometimes comes and he blows on everything. He messes it all up. He messes up our sense of control. Oh, but poor God is a God of order. Oh, yeah. But whose order? Just because something seems unusual to us or is outside our own experience doesn't automatically mean it's not God. I mean, sometimes it is, but not God. But it doesn't automatically mean it's not God. The Bible is full of unusual incidents where God has moved, right? And man, in this Western world, we sure need to see the power of God at work. We are very good at rationalizing and explaining it away. See, bodily or emotional manifestations and reactions may come and go. But let me tell you, every time the Holy Spirit moves and interacts with us, the results are always going to be a greater love for Jesus, a greater intimacy with the Father, the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are going to be more evident in our lives, and definitely, because Jesus said this, we are going to be much more effective in our witness. Who's in control of your life today? Something or someone sure will be. And if the answer is, it's me, you know, it's you, then let go of that control. This Engage series is all about pursuing God and allowing him 
more access into our lives. If you're not pursuing God, who or what are you pursuing? Because the void is always going to be filled by something. Why not let it be the Holy Spirit? He wants you. He wants you. He really wants you. And I get the sense in the days we live, the Holy Spirit wants greater access to his church around the world. He needs to have it. We're so good in our Western world of our systems and they're important, of the way we plan things and that's important, the way we do things excellently, that's important. But I'll tell you what, the most important thing we need today is for the Holy Spirit to get hold of the whole heart, to mess a few things up again, take control of his church and his people, of us as individuals, because he really wants us. This world needs us. This world needs him more than ever. I wonder just for a few moments, I'm not going to ask the team up right now, just can we all close our eyes? We're not going to stand, just, just feel comfortable where you are. One thing I've discovered with the Holy Spirit is he wants us to be comfortable. And the whole point is putting yourself in a place of just being receptive to him. It may be that you like to put your hands out in front of you when you praying or when you're in receptive to the Holy Spirit, like I'm receiving something. might be at times you put your hands right up and I'm surrendering something. It might be none of those things. It might be sometimes you kneel before him because you feel I need to kneel. It might, but I just, whatever it is, when you come to God, it isn't standing isn't the answer. It can be the right thing at the right time, but sometimes it's just getting comfortable and just saying, Holy Spirit, I really need you. I need you to touch my life again today. So just for a few moments in this quietness and I'll stop talking We're just going to say, Holy Spirit, please come. Open my heart to you again, my life to you again. I want you to take control of my life. I want you to be in charge. He might speak something into your heart, an impression you might have, but let's just wait for a few moments. Holy Spirit, come. Come this morning. Ask the team come. You can still keep your eyes closed and engage. We're going to sing a song, Holy Spirit. Again, if you just want to stay seated while we're singing, that's, that's great. You don't have to stand, but just whatever you feel comfortable with right now. It's a song about asking the Holy Spirit to come. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. We really need His presence in our lives. Let's reach out to Him as we sing it. Or if you don't want to sing, you just continue. To reach out on your heart to the Lord right now.